In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! On today's show, our focus is on legislation working its way through Washington that will make some changes to the rules of retirement, the advantages for you, and how to use it as motivation for a better financial future. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. That's on today's Get Ready for the Future show as we welcome you in to another edition, and we hope you enjoy it. My name is Scott Inman, along with me, John Shrewsbury and Candace Stanley in the third chair today. Good morning. Yeah, our, our apologies. Our announcer guy was kind of getting a little uh, with it there, wasn't he? Yeah, you know what we used to do when I was in radio? We just reach yeah. over and yeah. hit it like that, and it would work. <laughs> well, I don't know if Casey tried to do that. Yeah, or not. and I'm and I'm hesitant to even say anything because on the live stream it probably happened. It's going to be cleaned up by the time it's on the radio side. <laughs> Podcast is going to be perfect. So forget I said anything uh, about that. We're going to roll on on the get ready for the future show today. As we talked about, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Secure Act 2.0, and we have talked about that uh before both on the fastest four minutes in finance and during the get ready for the future show you remember the secure act first run was i believe january of 2020 was it was passed in 19 and 2019 but it was uh, enacted into law in january of 2020 well there's another round going through called the secure act 2.0 making some more changes to the rules that govern retirement and we've talked about it before they have kind of settled in now and this these changes we're going to talk about today are pretty likely to become new law now it has passed uh, the bill has passed the house and now awaits approval in the senate and then it expected to pass there and then be signed by president biden so we're going to talk about what those changes are and why they matter to you but we're going to start with a little current event talk and kind of keep our finger on the pulse of the markets uh, obviously it's been another bumpy uh, start to the month of September, the end of August, not so good either. The 2022 drum just keeps on beating, John, and we can't get out of this dismal year. And, and LPL Research put out some interesting stuff this week about just how bad, how volatile 2022 has been. We are now in record territory. You know, we talked about in the first six months of the year, it was the worst start to a year in 40 years. Right. Now we're really looking at, as this thing drags on, being up there, we're starting to mention the performance and the volatility on par with the financial crisis of 2008, the dot-com bubble burst, late 90s, early 2000s, all the way back to even some comparisons to the Great Depression. Now, this is where the disconnect occurs for me because there is we don't know where the market's going to go for sure. There's no guarantee from here. But if you look at the data, the economic data, the hard numbers, whether it's earnings, whether it's unemployment, any of those numbers you pick, you're not going to find data on par with those three crises we talked about. Yeah, I think that there is obviously either some foretelling by the market of think, thinking that things are going to get worse yep. Or we're just totally disconnected, one of the two. If you think about what happened in 2008, it was a, a, a potential cataclysmic failure of the financial system that we were facing, and we were down 
Yeah. Well, year to date, the S&P is down about 16%. The Nasdaq's down 25%. Uh, the Russell 2000, the broad index of the market, down 18.72%. All of those things are going on when that's not happening. And, and, and I just, uh, Candace, I know you are uh, a mom and a, and a housewife as well as a financial advisor, but uh, you, you are out in the community. Do you see depressed economic activity? No, I mean, we're, we're still shopping for the things that we need. We're still buying our groceries. We're still able to buy the things that we need for our home. You know, I've got friends there, you know, they're noticing the uh, inflation and yep. the, the, the costs have increased, but we're still out there purchasing whatever we need to purchase. And I know we had unemployment tick up uh, just a little bit, uh, not very much, and it was an, an incredibly low level. So yeah. we're not seeing job loss. So right. I, I don't know what goes on here other than there is a lot of froth in the market. And, and you know, uh, there's some cynicism a, a little bit in my mind in that, uh, you know, the big players in the market drive the market down so they can get in at a low point mm-hmm. and dry, and let the market come back up and make money. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, 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 I'm certainly uh, much more versed in, in personal financial planning than I am in markets. But I will tell you that I, I just feel like that this is way overblown as far as the markets are concerned. Yeah, I think you hit on it there when you said that the markets are really just anticipating a a worse scenario than we're currently in I, I really think that's what's happening now and 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 let's be honest we don't know that that might not happen but with the data in front of us now and the trending right I mean inflation is possibly peaked right I mean I know it's only one month uh, that that it that it started to tick down and, and that's not a trend but it looks like inflation may be starting to cool off the unemployment rate you mentioned that I think that's very interesting too because it goes back to and we've talked about this but I think it's worth repeating the Federal Reserve's uh, meddling or in, in the in the in the economy is meant to create a quote unquote soft landing, right? So the unemployment rate is actually supposed to be good news, right? Yeah. Because they're trying we're trying to slow the economy down without coming to a screeching halt. I've, right. I've told clients that I, I I liken it this way: if you if you run your engine with too many RPMs, it's going to blow up, right? Right. And that's what inflation could do. We could go over the cliff. We could blow up the engine. We're done for a while, right? So the soft landing is meant to put the brakes on slowly, run the RPMs down, and then when the unemployment rate ticks up just a little bit, I would think that would be exactly what the Federal Reserve is trying to do. I would think that the market would see it that way. But I think we went sideways when the market was starting to price in okay, we've seen interest rates go up enough now that we are thinking maybe in 2023 they should start to be coming back down because it's working. And the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, when he spoke a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago now, uh, indicated that we're, we're doing this until it's over, which really is, is not necessarily two different things. Yeah, I, I, I'm just going to editorialize for just a second. <laughs> and uh, heaven help if I start doing that. But here we go. I think that the Fed is making a major mistake if they go up another 75 basis points. I think that they're going to to stomp on the brake, to use your analogy, Scott. I think that, that we went through a period of time where there was an aberration. Uh, there was a lot of money in the economy that was chasing too few goods. That's a classic setup for inflation. We have tapped the brakes with the increases that we've had. I would favor a let's wait and see what happens and see if inflation does cool down 
And if it does, then okay, we're in a better place and maybe do a quarter percent or a half percent or something like that. But I don't know, Candace, I, I'm just, I'm a little bit hinky about this 75 basis point increase that, that they're trying to do here. Yeah, because every time there's an increase, the market reacts to it. And so we're seeing it on our fixed income side, and then we're seeing it on our equity side. So both of those are taking a hit. It would be nice if they would back off a little bit and kind of let things settle. But, you know, I don't run the Fed. That's probably right. a really good thing that I don't run the Fed. <laughs> but it just seems yeah. to me that that we're not taking into account the actual um, outside influence of the government pushing yeah. so much money into the economy because of COVID and the fact that we shut down the economy. And now the economy's coming back. You know, the, the, the yeah. uh, supply chains are, are normalizing and all that type of thing. I think we could overdo this. And maybe that's what the market's upset about. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that maybe they're thinking the Federal Reserve is going to overdo it with the interest rates. You look at what's happened in the housing market as well. It's certainly the rise in interest rates has certainly caused the housing market to slow down. And maybe yep. there's worry now uh, that it's going to go over a cliff. So speaking of going over a cliff before we do that, because we're going to lose our content if we don't get rolling on. <laughs> yes, let's do we that. can get rolling about the uh, market, which I do think is very important to talk about. But again, as we say here, we're fond of saying it. John started saying it on this show several years ago, and we say it all the time. It's not about the economy. It is about your economy. We're going to talk about your personal economy today, and that means you have to still believe in equities. You have to still invest for the long term, even though 2022 has been such a rocky year uh, on par with uh, some really historically bad years. Still in the long run, we believe the equity markets will work itself out. Where you put those dollars is typically in your 401k. That is the most common, most popular employer-sponsored plan. So here's a little perspective for you to start off. By the end of the decade, about 21% of the country's population will be 65 and older. That's up from 15% in just 2016. Most non-retired adults have some type of retirement savings, but only 36% think their savings are on track. Now, the 401k, a really powerful tool for retirement savings. We had a show just uh, not that long ago about the three-legged retirement stool. If you missed that show, check it out on our podcast. But basically, we talk about the three things propping up retirement have been social security, pension plans, and personal savings. The other two legs are wobbly. The pension has pretty much broken off right now. Social yep. security is a little wobbly. It's on the personal savings leg to really prop up your retirement people are still not really taking advantage of that as a whole. You know, the 401k has only been around for uh, around 40 years now, right? Uh, right? Pensions have started disappearing probably from the 80s on. And, you know, our generation has definitely understood that 401ks are around, how they work, how you use them. But 68%, listen to this stat from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, 68% of private industry workers have access to a 401k. But only 50% of those with access opt to utilize it. We're going to talk a little bit about why we think that is. Yeah, and I, here's the, the thing I've watched our government do over the years. They, they keep saying that they need to give people more options for saving, more options for saving. And they come out with this or they come out with that or whatever the case may be. And it's just not working. Uh, it, that's not the problem. The problem is the 50% of those with access only uh, only 50% opting to utilize it. And Candace, I think that this uh, becomes an issue of either people are unwilling to do it 
or they are unable to do it. Yeah, I was really surprised to see that uh, 50% don't take advantage when they have that available to them. I think that's a, a staggering number. I think that's very high. And I was just really surprised to see that. Um, and if you're one of those 50% that is not taking advantage of the 401k now, and you have that option, now's a great time to get it started. You know, while equities are low, and while you have the opportunity to buy while shares are on sale, now would be a great time to get that started. So I, yeah, I'm going to say that there, I could just hear the brakes squeaking on, uh, squeeching, uh, uh squeeching? Squeeching. Yes. Yeah. yes. Squealing. <laughs> Squealing. There we go. Yes. Uh, and people slamming on their brakes thinking, what is she talking about? With They they just talked about the markets being down, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, 15, 20 percent. So I think this really does uh, enlighten the, the issue is that most people don't understand how a 401k works. I think we've done a terrible, terrible job in this country of explaining to people how 401ks actually work. So uh, let's talk about that for just a second. If you think about the concept of dollar cost averaging, or as we call it here at, at GenWealth, the cow story, it's simply exactly what Candace said. If you are buying into the market right now, you're buying at cheaper prices than we had uh, six months ago, a year ago, whatever the case may be, that actually will play out to be actually pretty good if if history is any indication. So obviously, we've got to do a better job of teaching people, number one, how a 401k works. And secondly, more so, I think the value of a 401k to the employee. A lot of people get caught up in the fact that they think that the 401k plan is somehow valuable to the employer. It actually costs the employer money to have a 401k, even if they don't contribute to it. But even if they do contribute to it, it is still in the benefit of the employer uh, employee as opposed to the employer. Yeah, and I think one of those things when you try to de- determine whether someone is unable or unwilling, I think that really is a mental uh, issue, right? I think a lot of people do believe they are unable, but are they really? And I, and I understand that because I can remember being in my 20s, and when you're starting out, and I'm not assuming that everybody that doesn't use it is in their 20s, but that's where it really starts, right? The mindset is you've got a finite amount of monthly income and you've got a lot of bills. And if your income is not super high, there's very little margin between those two, right? You can only make housing costs so low. You can only make your grocery bill so low, mm-hmm. especially with inflation. I get that. It is hard to think about peeling off another $100 a month, $200 a month, $500 a month to put into an account that you can't touch until you're 59 and a half without penalty. That's hard to grasp, especially when you're younger. But the reality is this. If you don't do it, who is going to do it for you? And in this case, your employer is going to help because they're going to match it. Yeah, that's what I was about to say also is about the match. If you also um, are fortunate enough to have a match from your employer, if you could at least contribute up to what that matches, that's a hundred percent return right there. That's doubling your efforts right from the bat. Scott, I think that one of the things that you touched on was the the are you unwilling or unable? And a lot of people are unwilling because it's almost a phenomenon that's going on post COVID in this country that people think they have to live for today. They they have to experience everything in life right now because either you know there's going to be another pandemic or COVID's going to get them or whatever the case may be. I got to do it all now, and and that's just really not based in fact. Right. And if you don't save, then you're going to get to a spot in your life when you are too old to work, and then you're going to be stuck because, as you uh, rightly mentioned, the the whole thing of pensions have 
pretty much you know run the course they're not around for the most part anymore unless you work for the public sector and a few private sector companies and then social security certainly isn't going to pay anything other than a a subsistence of of income and so you've got to have some personal savings there and when you look at the successful retirees today most successful retirees have done it on the the efforts that they put into their 401k plan Yeah. And starting early was a big is a big deal um, when it comes to that because time is the best asset that you have in order to grow that four hundred one k in order to turn that into income later for you. Yeah, we we at Gen Wealth believe in balance. We're not saying to totally neglect today, but you can't just live for today. I tell clients all the time it's better to plan for a long retirement and it not happen than to not plan for a long retirement and it happen. And that's what we're talking about here. Begin to plan for your financial future. So you mentioned that, and, and I've seen this too, clients that have come in the most successful, uh, you know, many of them have done a really good job of doing it on their own for a very long time. But I think that uh, when it gets to retirement, things look a little different. But when they come to see us, I think it's very common that if there were two uh, incomes in the household, yep. both had a robust corporate 401k that had a really good match. And if they just put that money in and never stopped for three decades, they're they're going to end up at a pretty good place. And and a lot of the reason they do that is because they never stopped. They put it on autopilot and continued and then dealt with life after that. And by the way, they went through the crash of 87. Yeah. They went through bad times in 90 and 94. They went through 2000, 2001, 2002, 2007, COVID. All of those things happened to that generation yeah. of people who saved and they kept focused. They kept right on going, putting money in, even though the market was going down, putting money in and taking advantage of those lower prices, putting money in even when prices were high, putting money in whether mm-hmm. they knew what they were doing or not. They just put money away and they caught it. They understood what was happening there, Scott. Mm-hmm. And as they did that, then they built wealth for themselves. Yep. And so if you defer from what works, then you better have a better plan. And I don't know what that plan might be if you don't have the resources of a pension or a, a really stable social security system to fall back on uh, to provide that income to you as you get older. All right, so to that bill, now that we talked about Secure 2.0, one of the things that it will do, and, and I actually like this, and I'm not a big fan of government intervention or government making you do really much of anything, quite frankly, <laughs> uh, in theory anyway, but one of the things that this would do would, would add an auto-enrollment to a 401k. It would be one of the largest changes of the 401k, 401k system. It would require employers to automatically enroll all eligible workers into their plan at a savings rate of 3% of salary. And the new rule also applies to 403Bs, which is really the uh, not-for-profit version of the 401K um, for employees of certain public and tax-exempt organizations. And then get this, the enrolled workers' contribution rates would be automatically increased each year by 1% until their contribution reaches 10%. Now, I like this in theory because we just talked about people aren't doing it, right? They, right. They're going into their, they get that packet and it ends up in the trash can or over in the corner and they never look at it and they never enroll. This would at least get them started. However, past that, it's a little arbitrary. It's a little too automatic to say 3% is where you need to start. Yeah. 1% increase up to 10%. That may or may not be good. Well, it could be. And, and here's, here's a, a newsflash for you. This isn't new. 
guess what you're also auto-enrolled in? Social Security. Yeah. You know, you right. don't have any choice. You have to be uh, have to have the money taken out of your check for Social Security. That's just the way it is. And I think if we're going to solve the retirement issue in this country, we might have to go to a system where it's just the way it is. Now, in this plan, you have the option to yeah. opt yeah. out. And so they're not necessarily going to keep you in the plan, but they're going to start you in the plan. And hopefully you'll stay in the plan as time goes on. You know, it could create good habits, though, um, by that auto enrollment. And, um, you know, once an employee is auto enrolled, potentially they could say, oh, I can do this and then keep going with it. And then when they get that one percent increase. Okay, you know what? This is still not too bad either. And hopefully it's coming with raises too, you know, and, that yeah. offsets that. And you know, uh, the if you talk to folks that have successfully retired, one of the things that many of them will tell you is, you know what? I never missed it. Once I started, I yeah. never missed it. And that could be the answer to the issue. I think that that creating another type of plan or anything of that nature, I don't think any of that makes sense. We got plenty of plans. We got an alphabet soup of plans around here, you know. IRAs, 401ks, 403Bs, SEPs, simples, you name it, we've got a bunch of them. But the whole point of of this exercise is to try to get you to do something for yourself and actually save money so as you get older, you'll have that money to fall back on. Now, getting it in there is right and good. What you invest in is the next question, right? And and you do need the advice of a financial advisor there to help you make sure it's invested in your appropriate uh, age range, your risk tolerance, all of those things. And, of course, that comes in conjunction with building or should come in conjunction with building a plan for retirement with that advisor. Now, as uh, as far as the next uh, uh, component of Secure 2.0, this is a good one too, after tax catch-up contributions. We know of the catch-up contribution. If you're not aware of it, there are limits, of course, uh, to how much money you can put into a 401k on an annual basis. Once you've reached age 50, which by the way, I do next March, so I'm looking forward to my simple IRA contributions going up. Yeah, you can add to at a catch-up uh, contribution. What that is right now is sixty-five hundred dollars. So they allow you once you've turned age fifty currently to increase your contributions by sixty-five hundred dollars to the four hundred one k. But this Secure two point would allow older workers between sixty-two and sixty-four. Don't know how they came up with those ages, but sixty-two and sixty-four to increase their catch-up contributions to ten thousand dollars. A year now. Here's the here's the break from the way it is now. Beginning next year, the catch-up contributions would be taxed as Roth contributions, meaning you'd be taxed before putting the contribution in. But in a Roth contribution into a Roth 401k, those withdrawals would be tax-free in retirement. Scott, I think that that you know there's some good and bad to this. I, you know, the ten thousand dollars is good that you can put it in there. I don't know the fact that they've just squeezed that down to that 62 to 64 time frame. It doesn't really have enough time to really grow before you then roll it over to an IRA. And hopefully you would just continue to do that. But it does increase by about $20,000, $30,000, depending on when you get started, uh, the amount of money that you've got saved for retirement. And that's really coming at a time when people are likely earning their highest income and they would have the capacity to put extra money into that plan. Let's talk real quick, too, while we're talking about this, because this is a question we get in the meeting rooms, too, from uh, 
Well, I guess probably a wide range of workers, but it seems to me, in my experience, it comes more for people who are getting close to retirement. They ask us many times, because we talked about the Roth 401k, that's increasingly popular. A lot of employers are offering both a pre-tax option and an after-tax option. Right. And people will ask us often, which should I be doing? Mm-hmm. And and that's a, that's it depends on how old you are, I think, mm-hmm. and how far out you are from retirement. But let's talk a little bit about that. Well, you've got a tax consideration there. Do you need to have that money pre-tax? Uh, now, you're going to pay taxes on it when you retire, but do you need to have that money pre-tax right now to save enough money for, for uh, in taxes so you can be comfortable in putting the money in the 401k plan? Or do you want to go ahead and get the money uh, out of your hands as far as the taxes are concerned on the principal so that over time you will be able to withdraw money out of that plan plus the gains on a tax-free basis? The standard rule of thumb in our, in our minds is that the younger you are, the more attractive the Roth proposition looks. The Roth proposition is certainly something that, that you pay taxes on the front end and then all of the gain and then the, the principal as well grows on a tax-deferred basis and is tax-free when you take it out. Candace, I think that, that you know when you think about how we structure retirement income, Roth money is incredibly valuable, not just for the tax savings, but the other effects that it has, particularly on things like Social Security. Yeah, so your Roth um, assets, either Roth 401k or your Roth IRA, that is not calculated in your provisional income. So if you are taking money from your Roth IRA, that's not calculated um, for taxing your uh, annual income and even your Social Security. So that's what you're alluding to, right, John? Yeah, the Social Security thing is is really interesting. All income, even income from tax-free municipal bonds, is considered to be provisional income with the exception of a Roth IRA. Now, what is provisional income? It is the amount that they look at and in determining whether or not your Social Security is taxable, partially taxable, or, or not taxable at all. So those are things that, that it's kind of complicated how that works, but Roth is good for Social Security income in retirement. Yeah, but it's also good for lump sum purchases as well. So if you've got some Roth savings and you're retiring and you've got some qualified saving, which is pre-tax and you've got some Roth too, um, sometimes we might set aside that Roth and just say, hey, you know what? We could set this over here. You may have a lump sum purchase later on that you want to utilize your Roth savings for. That's a great option because you don't have to pay taxes on that income to uh, make that purchase. Scott, well, you have uh, people come in all the time asking, well, can I pay off my house? Mm-hmm. And the answer usually is no, because you have pre-tax dollars yeah. and you don't want to do that because it takes about twice as much money to actually pay off your house that you than you owe on it. But in the case of Roth, then you can take that money out of the Roth IRA, 401k, whatever it might be, and go ahead and pay the uh, the uh, cost of your house, the balance on your mortgage, mm-hmm. and be able to do that without any taxation. All right. So let's talk about debt now. You mentioned okay. the house payment. This yep. is another provision of Secure 2.0 is student debt payoff while saving. Very interesting how they brought these two together, but I understand. Very the, creative. Yeah, I understand the concept, though. About 43.4 million borrowers in the U.S. have federal student loan debt. That's a lot. A whopping $1.7 trillion in debt. Many employees tend to forego saving for retirement until they pay their loans off. Their priority, I would say, is designed pretty well there. Pay the debt off, right? but they can't find the extra wiggle room in their uh, 
in their income to also save for retirement while they are doing that. I think about like even doctors, right? People are going to have high incomes. They may really want to get rid of that student loan before they um, before they save for retirement. So in this part of the Secure 2.0, employers could treat student loan repayments as elective reca- retirement account deferrals and provide a matching contribution to their 401k. So let's let's think about this this way. Let's say that you're paying $200 a month on student loan debt. And you got to pay that. You're you're dutifully paying your your student loan debt at $200 a month. Your employer can consider that student loan debt as an elective deferral in your 401k. Now, the money doesn't go in the 401k, but it allows the employer to apply their match. So if the employer is matching dollar for dollar in the 401k, then you can go ahead and continue to get the match in the 401k that you would have gotten if you had put the money that you were paying on the student loans into the 401k. So it makes sense from a a logistical point of view that you're able to not miss out on the match from the employer simply because you have the the, uh, monthly student loan payment that you're paying over here on the debt side of the balance sheet. All right, and the next one on our list of changes to the 401k brought on by Secure 2.0, delayed RMDs and limited tax penalties. So if you're not familiar with what an RMD is, it stands for Required Minimum Distribution. In the past, when you turned 70 and a half, you had to begin removing a certain amount annually based on your age and life expectancy from your qualified accounts. In other words, your IRA, your 401k, in this example as we're talking about. Now, the secure to the secure version that has already passed, secure 1.0, I guess we'll call it, actually raised that to age 72. So that's law now. This law, or this bill, if it becomes law, would lift it again, and it would do it on a kind of gradual scale uh, over the next few years, all the way up to 75. So it's going to get confusing. That's the thing I don't like about it. It's going to get confusing if you're almost that age, right? Because uh, depending on when you cross over to 72, 73, we we're not we're not really going to know where your RMD is. Uh, it's going to depend on the. It's going to be. It's going to take a little bit of figuring out. Our team's going to love that. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to keep us in business, right? Exactly. But eventually, it's going to land at 75, and then the penalty for those who fail to withdraw the proper amount from their RMD or from their IRAs or 401ks. It would be cut, and I really like this. I do too. From fifty percent to twenty-five percent. I'd like to go ahead and see it go to zero. Fifty percent is really <laughs> high. It's yeah. you know it's been a major source of contention oh. for uh, for clients. You well, know, so twenty-five percent I think is a little more reasonable. And you think about as cognitive uh, you know abilities get worse as you get older, people forget. Yeah. And if they forget their RMD, then it's a fifty percent penalty. I think it's a good thing that they're they're obviously cutting that down. 25 probably ought to be something less than that mm-hmm. but but let's uh let's take what we can get yeah. if they're if they're cutting stuff and i think that that means that that clearly it's getting easier from a a uh, retiree standpoint to deal with some of these things if this does in fact go into play now scott i think that one of the things that we've got to think about in this whole uh situation is that this is politics and all the things that we've talked about are possibilities that they could happen it's not a certainty that that it will happen but here's the thing that i want to be sure that we we touch on before we uh, run out of time today it really doesn't matter what the rules are it really doesn't matter what the game is 
What should matter is your financial security. And it goes right back to what we've talked about uh, on this show many, many times. It is about your economy, not the economy. And so when you're thinking about this whole issue of should I or should I not, am I willing or am I able to put money into a 401k plan, then the simple fact is, is that you've got to do it. You've got to be in a situation where you are saving for your future retirement or for your future living expenses. You may say, I'm never going to retire, John. I, I'm just going to work until I die. Well, I've heard a lot of people have that plan and it didn't work out that way. But what you've got to think about in this situation is, are you going to be able to work at the level that you're working at right now? Do you need supplemental income? And if so, then you can tap into your retirement accounts uh, from that standpoint to do something that you want to do as opposed to something that you have to do. There's a lot of possibilities here, Scott, and I want to just encourage everyone who's, who's listening to this program to think about the future. Don't just think about today. Think about the future. And if you don't get there, then somebody else is going to, yes, somebody else is going to benefit from the money, but that may benefit their future. And I, and I think that we've got to, to get more in center on our thinking about this as far as you know, savings and investing is concerned. Even though the markets are stinking it up right now, they are still very viable tools, just like they have been throughout history for all the successful retirees that we've worked with previously. What we've been talking about today is the rules changes. You know, football season just started. We love football season around here. What we've really been talking about is what's targeting and what's not targeting, and, <laughs> and uh, yes. you know, what's holding and what's not holding. We need to know the rules of the game so that we know how to play the game but playing the game is what you're talking about building a plan for your financial future as you hear the final bell there in the background it means it's time to wrap it up it is time for our final thoughts and candace we'll start with you well i think if you're listening today um, being knowledgeable about what can affect you is important and that you need to make sure that you're getting your information from uh, trusted sources. There's a lot of conflicting information out there if you're trying to do your own research, but we are here to help. Scott, I would say that no one is going to prioritize your financial situation more than you. And look, it's not called financial independence because you have to be independent and go it alone. You need help. You need someone to come alongside you, give you some instruction, give you some coaching, help you to understand the ins and outs of things like the 401k plan and how you can use it to take advantage of it, how you can take these rules, the current ones and the future ones, to actually cause them to work in your favor. That's what we do here at Wealth Financial Advisors. We do that on a regular basis with people all the time, and certainly we'd love to do it with you. If you'd like to walk through our ready-to-retire process, here are some of the things that it would involve. It is seven key areas that are taken into account. We create a written plan that involves figuring out a strategy to maximize Social Security, possibly consider a hybrid retirement, protect against inflation, secure guaranteed lifetime income, plan for long-term care, and defend against taxes. And if you want to start the road to the retirement you dream of, you can take the first step for free. Maybe you're not ready to make that phone call and come into the office just yet. Just take this first step for free. It's real easy to visit 15minuteretirement.com or text the word CHECKUP to 501-381-5228 to get your free assessment today. And that's all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. As always, we appreciate you so much listening, watching however you get the show, and we hope you'll join us again next time. So long for now. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. 
If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.